Welcome to the Creating Ripples podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Zahner. I believe in the power of sharing our experiences and knowledge with others, and when we do, we are creating ripples of impact around us. Each week, get ready for intimate personal shares, honest, relatable conversations, aha moments, and so much more. This space was designed to create empowerment, inspiration, community, and provide guidance to elevate those around us. I am so excited to have you here. Get ready and let's start creating ripples. Hello, welcome to the Creating Ripples podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Zahner, and today we are virtually sitting down with Megan Sheely. Megan is a nutrition coach, personal chef, and recipe developer, and I am so excited to have her on the podcast here today to share with all of you her story, her passion, and what really led her into what she's doing for her career now. So first off, I want to tell you a little bit how Megan and I know each other. We went to college together and reconnected just over a year ago. I reached out to her because I wanted to learn more about what she was up to. I saw that she had recently returned from living in Thailand. And after we connected, I really loved hearing about her experience, her goals and passions and you know, the path that she was on now. Megan took her love of food and turned that passion into a career. So Megan, I'd love for you to speak a little bit about who you are and your experiences that got you to this point. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here and talk about what I do and my love for food. Um, So like you said, I'm a nutrition coach and personal chef and sort of a recipe developer as of lately. Um, It's kind of a mouthful of the job. And I'll talk a little bit about how I got here. Um, Like you said, I went to University of Minnesota. I studied public health. um, So it gave me a wide variety of classes to focus on, like epidemiology, anatomy, infectious diseases, and nutrition, which was my personal favorite. You know, I've always been interested and loved eating healthy. I've been interested in anatomy and food since I was little. I was like that weird little kid who would order like salads at the restaurant when I was like seven years old. So I've just always liked healthy food. Um, But as I got older, I started to realize like the true connection between how we treat our bodies um, and how we feed our bodies and um, how it has an effect on, you know, our mind and our emotions and how we feel. Um, And after college, I went into a career that really had nothing to do with my degree. I got into um, digital marketing and I did some social media management and copywriting and stuff. And it was a great career to be in at that time, but it just wasn't for me. I wasn't happy. I wasn't like following any of my passions and I felt like just not in the right place. Um, And I wasn't kind of doing the thing that I always considered to be a big part of who I am and that's staying authentic to who I am and what I'm passionate about. Um, I've always loved helping people, um, giving advice, helping, volunteering, lending a helping hand. So I knew I wanted to be in a space where I was educating and helping others. I just wasn't sure what I, what that looked like for me yet. Um, The company that I was working for had actually just gotten bought out. So all of us got laid off. So it was like a really great time for me to kind of pause and reflect and think about the changes that I wanted to make 
to do something that I was really passionate about. Um, so I actually randomly decided to leave and move to Thailand, like you said, um, to teach English for a year. Um, it was always something that I wanted to do. I just figured that was the time to do it because things kind of had just fallen into place. Um, and let me preface this before I go into more about my Thailand experience that it was a great experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, but I did have some struggles while I was there, mostly with my health. Um, I was living in rural Thailand, so I wasn't in the touristy Phuket, Krabi places that people think of in their minds when they think of Thailand. I was in a small town in the South, so I didn't have a lot of access to the same foods that I was super used to eating here in the States. Uh, their diet is really heavy in white rice, sodium, sugar, and meat. That's basically all they eat. Not a lot of vegetables at all. And my body was not used to it. Um, it was lacking greens completely. I felt like I was in a fog all day, like almost like I was dreaming. I was like riding my moped to, to school and I was like, something is really wrong with me. I felt kind of like drunk almost. I lost my period for five of the seven months that I was there. Um, my hair was falling out in the shower. I was just like, something is going on with my body and I'm not sure really what it was. Um, my sugar cravings, which is something that I don't crave, really, I'm not a sweet tooth. I'm more of like a savory person. My sugar cravings were through the roof. I um, would find myself going to like a gas station at like 11 p.m. and getting a bag of M&Ms. And I, that's never something that I used to do. Um, and also, I'm an emotional eater. I've always, I always have been, and it's something that I've struggled with. So while I was there, I was, I was out of my comfort zone, obviously. So I was leaning on food as a form of comfort, and it wasn't the best food. So I started to be eating a lot of sugar, and I just realized, like, I was not feeling like my best self. Um, I'm normally eating, like, natural sugars, like, think dates, figs, fruits maple syrups, whatever. But, you know, those late night trips to the gas station, I just knew something was up. I've never done that before in my life. Um, and then when I, when I came home from Thailand, it was about a week before I really just started to feel better. And a week is not a lot of time. That's really fast. Um, you know, I got my period back. Um, I looked healthier in my face and my skin. I looked just more like alive. I kind of looked like zombie-ish while I was there. Um, and it was just because I had started fueling my body with like wholesome foods. And it was that week that I was like, this is crazy how much better I feel from eating this healthy in this short amount of time. And I enrolled back into school for uh, focus in nutrition that week when I got home. And I spent a year in school really diving into the science of nutrition, um, holistic health, um, using food as you know, not only a way to nourish your body, but your mind and your soul as well. Um, so it was a really like holistic approach to it, which I loved. Um, and it also focused on, you know, primary food and secondary food is what they called it. And primary food is the food that you put into your body, but secondary food is, you know, your the community that you surround yourself with, your, your career, your relationships, your physical activity. It's all those other things that incorporate what defines health um, and it's not just the food you put in your body so I loved my school experience and then once I was in school that's when I started my website that's kind of when I changed up my game on my Instagram it wasn't just you know photos of me and my friends at the bar anymore I started using it as um, a platform for marketing 
my career change. And then, you know, you obviously deal with the people who are like, what is she doing? She's a food blogger now. And, you know, you just have to kind of take that with a grain of salt. And it felt so weird at first. And at first it was like, ah, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And these people making these comments, but then sure. I realized why, why would I let someone who's making fun of me being happy stop me from doing what I want to do? So you just kind of yep. have to give yourself like a little reality check. So, so yeah, that's where I am today. So it's funny you say this. I just had a clarity call with my coach. And one of the things she brought up was how she saw me, you know, speaking to all of these people and the people that I'm speaking to, I don't even know them yet. But for whatever reason, I get caught up in that imposter syndrome, exactly what you're speaking about of who do I think I am? Like, why do I think I can do this? And then I also get fearful around what people that know me think about what I'm doing. And so what she was saying was, you know, the people that know you that aren't going to support you, that's not who you're showing up for. You're showing up for this entire audience of people that you don't know yet. And her saying that to me was just like this aha of like, oh shit, like there's all these people that I have never even crossed paths with yet and I have an opportunity to show up for them and provide something for them and that's what it's about. I want to be a sounding board for people. I want to be someone that supports people that I don't even know yet and that's exactly what you're doing with your nutrition coaching and your recipe development you're able to show up and help all these people feel inspired in their kitchens and in their homes and I think that's so awesome but it's so hard to you know get out of our own way but when we think about the bigger picture it's like fuck yeah like I have to do this right Right, exactly. And I always just kind of bring it up like I already feel like I'm late to the game to like starting my career, you know, making a career transition change when you're like 20, what was I, 27, 26. Um, I felt late. I felt like I was starting over completely. And then I just have to remind myself, like, imagine being 40 years old and have and like not doing what it was that you wanted to do solely because of somebody, what somebody was going to think of you. It's just like, it's so petty to not follow your passions because of somebody right. talking about you. You know, you don't want to look back in 20 years and not have done something because you were worried what other people would think. Like they don't have to live yeah. your life. You do. And yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, you want to be living your life feeling fulfilled. For sure. Right. It's exactly um, right. So one of the things that I kind of want to unpack a little bit more was you spoke about the true connection with food between our body and minds and how it impacts that. Can you kind of talk a little bit more about what that means? And if someone's hearing that for the first time, maybe they're relating to your story of how that food was impacting them mentally and physically in a negative way and kind of give them some insight into that. So yeah, I've kind of always known that food, you know, everyone kind of knows that food is healing where they were always told that, but like my, after my own personal experience, it really taught me the importance of wholesome foods, minimal artificial sugars, and just a wide variation of the nutrients that they can't, they can not only bring you back to health, but more importantly, they keep you from going under in the first place. 
So food really, truly is medicine. And like I said, it's not only reactive, but it's proactive medicine. So your immune system is actually housed in your gut microbiome. So meaning when your gut microbiome, those little bacteria that are lining our entire gut, when it's not getting the nutrients and the foods that we need to, that it needs to thrive, your immune system is going to be the first thing that takes a hit. And especially in the world that we're living in today with numbers from this global pandemic soaring, the most important thing you can do for your immune system is eat wholesome foods, rich in vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. And I can't stress that enough. Um, I mean, obviously we're to the point now where we're being more reactive to health, but now that we know that food plays such a huge role in the immune system, I'm hoping that some people can, you know, really take that as a preventative medicine, use it as a way to stay healthy, not just get healthy. Um, you know, some of the biggest foods that are going to affect our long-term health and our gut microbiome are sugar processed, affected in a negative way, are sugar processed foods, alcohol, and like hydrogenated oils, like canola oil. So hydrogenation is a process in which um, liquid unsaturated fat is turned into a solid by adding hydrogen. So it help, it's basically to increase shelf life and to save costs. Um, it causes a ton of inflammation. And as we know, inflammation in the body leads to a various type of, types of diseases, inflammation of the brain, Alzheimer's, inflammation of joints, arthritis, inflammation of the colon, Crohn's disease, and on and on and on. So that it's really, really important to keep that inflammation at bay. Um, and, you know, your microbiome is going to thrive on those wholesome, nutrient-rich foods. Um, basically foods that don't have an ingredient list, whole foods that you can find fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, meats, grains. And if they do have a list of ingredients, like there's a ton of baked goods out there now that are using more whole ingredients in their products. If you can understand everything that's on the label, you're probably in good shape, but America is a super tricky place and they sneak a ton of stuff into our foods, like these inflammatory things. Um, into a lot of our healthy stuff, like salad dressings, sauces, breads, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I exactly what you're talking about. If I did the whole 30 and yeah. I started reading labels, it, like you yeah. just don't, you don't realize. Yep. No, I know. And that's, it's, I mean, I never used to do label reading because I always felt like weird being at the grocery store and like flipping my food over and like looking at all this. I don't look at the nutrition facts. I've never been like a numbers reader. I just, the ingredients are more so what you want to focus on because like I said, America, they, our food system is not great and they sneak a ton of shit into our food. That's making us sick. Um, so yeah, it's really important to read those labels. And also with the body and mind thing. Um, so I'll get into this a little bit. This is kind of sciencey, but dopamine, the neurotransmitter, that's the feel good um, neurotransmitter. So it's basically related to um, drug use, sex, shopping, gambling, and eating. So those five things. The one thing that those five things all have in common is they are addictive. And that's because that neurotransmitter is an addictive neurotransmitter. We want to feel good. And food actually um, has, it, it releases that, that dopamine. But unfortunately, it's released when we are eating that kind of crappy food. It's released by um, 
processed foods, sugars, you know, when you're having a horrible day, you're not like, oh my God, I had such a shitty day at work. I really want to have a salad when I get home. Nobody says that. They're like, oh, I want cookies. I want cake. I want pasta, pizza, and that, that those refined carbs that are going to like make that dopamine just spike. So when you're constantly eating that, those like really processed foods, you're spiking that dopamine. But when you spike that dopamine, it has to come back down. So crash. when you're eating, crash. yeah, you crash basically. Um, so those, those really processed foods can ultimately change kind of the chemical makeup in your brain and end up making you feel more sad and more depressed. So it's like, think of a weekend that you've just had like a lazy weekend. I mean, I've been there a lot. A lazy weekend, you didn't eat the best, you weren't working out. How do you feel after that? You feel so kind of just anxious. Sluggish too. Yeah, like... yeah sluggish. Yeah. So it just, th- that food just really can take a big toll on your mind too. So it's important to just feed that that dopamine with those, those good nutrients that aren't going to spike your dopamine and then just make it crash. So I know on your page, you post a lot of healthier options for people. And obviously we are in a global pandemic where life is already just very different than it is. And I know I find myself like you said, reaching Mm -hmm. for more of those treats than probably Mm -hmm. normal. What would you tell someone you know, like what advice do you have for them to, as they navigate this global pandemic and what small changes and things that they can do to eat less of those processed foods? I know you post a ton of recipes of different options. I see you posting your dates with peanut butter, I think it is all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I think like what suggestions or ideas do you have for people as they try and navigate this? I know for me, it's hard when I think about, I want to eat healthy and do these things. And then, like you said, that stress or anxiety takes over. And so I like reach for the easy thing, but in the end, it's actually going to probably bring me down further than I was feeling before. For sure. Yeah. Um, My approach with the recipes that I've made have always been, I'm not someone who, someone who like wants to limit myself on foods that I love. I'm a huge proponent of balance. I think it is so important um, especially for just like um, your for your relationship with food, I don't think it's very healthy. Especially for me, since I've dealt with some you know emotional eating things in the past. For me, when I restrict foods, I find that I want them more. I get anxious around social settings when there's food that I can't can't have there. So I am really somebody who likes to include all foods. I like pizza. I like burgers and pasta, but there are ways to make them a little bit healthier. Um, so I, I never want anyone to think that I eat clean and healthy 100% of the time because it's just, it's just entirely false. I, li- I like my weekends to be fun and go out to eat and get takeout. Um, but I, I make a lot of the, the recipes um, from foods that I enjoyed eating when I grew up. So like the other day I made a mac and cheese, but when I buy pasta, I buy like a chickpea pasta or a lentil pasta because it it really is so much more nutrient dense. You're going to get fiber. You're going to get protein. It's going to fill you up a lot faster. So you probably won't eat as much because I find when I have just that regular pasta, that's basically no nutrients. I can eat so much more of it because it's not filling me up. It's not giving my body any like nutrients. So even just making that swap of a different pasta, whether it's black bean or lentil or 
quinoa. There's so many alternatives now to those pastas. Um, and then I'll add in like a scoop of Greek yogurt to make it taste good and make it extra creamy. And I'll add in vegetables because why not? So there's just like little tweaks that I can make that are going to add a bit more nutrients to these foods, but also taste good. I think people's biggest misconception with healthy food is that it tastes bad. They're like, eh, I don't like kale. I think everyone who who thinks that you're like a healthy food person, they all, that all you eat is kale, which is so not true. I mean, healthy food doesn't need to taste bad. So it's just getting creative in the kitchen and using more nutrient dense ingredients that are going to keep people fuller for longer, give them an extra health benefit, not just like an empty calorie that's going to get them, you know, full for 15 minutes. And then they find themselves at the fridge 20 minutes later. So it's just a matter of getting creative and using these ingredients. And, you know, I, I spend so much time in the kitchen that I just like have an idea and I try it and I'm like, yep, that's good. So. I love it. Can you talk yeah. a little bit more about what goes into making a recipe? I know the other day I saw you were just kind of had the music going in the kitchen and like setting the yeah. ambiance and a little notebook yep. and stuff. And so I think that's interesting to hear a little bit about more your process. Sure. Yeah. So my kitchen is like my sanctuary. It's really the only place that I can go into and do something and my mind completely goes quiet. It's a therapy for me. Um, and that's because of the things that I mentioned before with that, those emotional eating things that I've struggled with, I turned those struggles into kind of a passion. So using food and spending time in my kitchen has been a really big way for me to heal. Um, and I, yeah, I set the mood in the kitchen. If I'm there at night, I'll have a glass of wine. I'll play some music. Um, my thought process behind recipes usually become, comes from something I'm craving. So during the week, I'm like, whoa, this sounds good. How can I make this a little bit healthier? How can I make it, you know, less ingredients? I think minimal wholesome ingredients is kind of key when it comes to creating a recipe so that's a big thing that goes into it and then I'll do like a little bit of research on something that let's say I want to make like the other day I made a coconut milk tomato soup so my process with that is I kind of research different I look at different recipes online and kind of take little bits and pieces of different ones and make my own little twist on them and that's usually adding you know if they're using cream I don't do a lot of dairy so I'll add coconut milk instead or cashew milk I make a lot of cat like cashew based stuff um so my process is you know I just like to get creative in there and I, I make it very clean and zen and play some music and I love to be alone in the kitchen it's it's no place I'd rather be honestly awesome I love that I know this topic keeps coming up and we touched on it a little bit but can you kind of speak more to the emotional eating and, you know, what that means and maybe just give advice to someone else who struggles with emotional eating? Sure. Yeah. So as a nutrition coach, one of the biggest things I've really learned and noticed ever since kind of educating, you know, myself on nutrition and working with people on this topic is that food is such an emotional thing for a lot more people than I ever thought. Um, you know, I, I was always kind of like ashamed to say that I had an emotional eating problem because people are like, oh, you turn to food for, you know, to cope, but like so many people do. And I think people just need to talk about it more. It's not an eating disorder that's like covered a lot. You usually are hearing, you know, about, 
anorexia and bulimia, but emotional eating is an eating disorder. It's a disordered um, uh, outlook on food. So it's basically when you're using food as a coping mechanism um, for usually negative emotions, you know, that may arise. So it's using food as a way to cope with having a shitty day at work. It's using it um, as a form of comfort when you're feeling lonely or anxious. And honestly, the science behind it makes total sense. Again, like I said, with the dopamine, when you're eating that processed food and those refined carbs that you crave when you're having that shitty day, um, it's gonna spike that dopamine. And we want that quick release of some pleasure. We're looking for something quick. So that dopamine is, that's why we crave, you know, that those processed foods. Um, and for me, it was something that emotional eating was something that I dealt with for years. Um, I was in a really, really crappy relationship for like seven years from when I was about 17 to 22, 23, whatever. I can't do math, I guess. <laughs> um, but it was really emotionally and verbally abusive. And I used food as a way to not feel so lonely. Ultimately, what I felt was I wanted to like be loved. And I was never getting that from this relationship that I was in. So I would use food as a way to feel something, something good. Um, I was really able to recognize it and use my love and my love for nutrition and cooking and use it as a way to kind of heal. So like I said, spending time in my kitchen has really like healed me from that. I still struggle with it, you know, every now and then when I'm dealing with anxiety, I'll definitely think to myself, like, I need a bowl of pasta ASAP. Um, but it's, it's really realizing and, you know, noticing, kind of being like a step ahead of yourself. You know, um, I'm feeling anxious. Let's pause. Like the triggers. Yes, the triggers. I'm feeling anxious. Why? That's the biggest thing is why are you feeling anxious? I'm feeling anxious. Okay. I'm feeling anxious because I'm actually feeling kind of lonely because my, you know, my significant other is out of town, but whatever it is, or I had a really shitty day at work. I'm not feeling like I'm appreciated, whatever it is to stop and think about why you're going for those foods is the biggest thing that you can do. Because once you realize what those triggers are, you can get ahead of yourself um, and, and kind of get up ahead of the problem and find other ways to release that dopamine that's a little bit healthier. For example, exercise is one, laughing, spending time with friends, getting outside, going for a walk. There's a lot of other things that you can do to make yourself kind of feel a lot better that doesn't involve reaching for those, you know, quote, bad foods. Does, so using, like you said, seeing your friends exercise, can you kind of speak to how that ties back to the holistic approach that you learned in your school with that primary and secondary food? Is that like, that would be the secondary op? Yeah, so that's an example. That? Yeah, so that's an example of that like secondary food. So it, these secondary foods are basically ways to nourish your body that aren't food. Mm -hmm. um, because it's not, health isn't just about the food that you put into your body. It really is, you know, the, the people that you surround yourself yourself with? Um, are they inspiring? Are they motivating? Are they kind? Do they make you laugh? Um, your career, do you like what you're doing? Are you passionate about it? Are you good at it? Or are you going into work 40 hours a week, miserable sitting behind a desk? You know, are you coming home from work super upset every single day because you hate your job? 
Are you in a relationship that's unhealthy, that's causing you to, you know, um, be anxious and depressed all the time? So it's those ways of like nourishing your your body and your mind, not through food. So yes, definitely getting outside, doing physical activities, spending time with friends. Those are all secondary foods. I think that's really cool that the program that you went through kind of looks at it as mind, body, soul, and not just the food, but all the other attributes in your life that are equally as important to overall health. I think sometimes we get so focused on either fitness or um, Mm -hmm. our nutrition that we often forget about just how important it is. Like you said, surrounding yourself with the right type of people that lift you up and inspire you because at the end of the day, your nutrition and fitness are on point, but you're surrounded by a bunch of shitty people. You're not going to feel your overall best. And for sure. And it's going to cause, I mean, it's going to cause stress in your body and stress releases cortisol, which causes inflammation, which is going to lead to some sort of something down the road. So, you know, it, it's not just the food that you put into your body. Yes, it's an important aspect, but focusing on all those, you know, those pillars of health is is really important. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's something just as I've gotten older, I've realized the importance of, as you said, the pillars of health are going to really be what helps me to get down that path that I want to be on overall. Mm -hmm. Um, Just unpack this a little bit more with, the emotional eating. Now, if someone listening relates to what you're speaking about, what advice do you have? I know you spoke to like thinking about like the why, but if someone's listening, they're like, holy shit, like that's literally my life. Like is the best starting place to just really start to notice those triggers or, Mm -hmm. you know, what's a good beginning point? Yeah. So I think the most important part, the most important first step is kind of breaking down those, those pillars of your life, because a lot of those pillars, if you're unhealthy in one of those, it can lead to that emotional eating, like those relationships, like, let's say you are in a, like, for example, me in a really crappy relationship, you're not feeling, you know, not now, I'm in a, not, not my relationship now. Sorry, I wasn't sure if it's Matt heard me say that. <laughs> like, wait, who's around me? <laughs> um, my past relationship, you know, you go, you you reach for that food because you feel lonely in that relationship. Or let's say you're really unhappy with your job. Your boss is a dick. You're stressed. You don't like what you're doing. You're spending 40 hours a week behind a a desk and you don't want to be there. And you come home every single night and you open up your fridge and you eat the entire fridge. And it's because there's something bigger. There's always something bigger with emotional eating. Um, It's happening for a reason. So really getting to fit to, focus on all those different pillars of life. And if you're kind of lacking in one, unhappy in one, um, try to figure out if that's why, you know, um, it, and it, it, honestly, it usually is a lot of people that I've worked with that have dealt with emotional eating. I've noticed one of the women that I've worked with, she was going through a horrible divorce. So she was stressed and she was sad and depressed and she was using food as a way to lift her up. So really getting to the bottom of why, why you're feeling the need to um, go to the fridge after work every single day, even when you're not really hungry, why you're waking up in the middle of the night and going to the cabinet and looking for cookies. There's a bigger 
bigger reason why you're doing that and to getting getting to the bottom of that and really acknowledging it, facing it head on, having tough conversations if you need to um, is is really, really important to kind of guiding yourself through that path of healing from emotional eating. Yeah, I think that's huge to be able to just really step back and look at all the different avenues that could be contributing to why you're reaching for the things that you are. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing I know for myself, when I try to focus in on nutrition, uh, I use a lot of different excuses as to why I can't eat healthier um, time. Mm -hmm. I get overwhelmed with cooking. I don't always know where to start or kind of like you had said too, a lot of times I think I'm like, ugh, healthy food. Like, Mm -hmm. It's not going to taste that good, is it? But yeah, I know that's not true because I eat healthy food usually 90% of the time. But like you said, I like to live a balanced life. So, you know, what would you suggest to someone that's trying to live a healthier lifestyle and find a good balance? You know, like what's a good place to start uh, when they want to go out and kind of pursue that for themselves? Sure. Yeah. So that was actually kind of why I started my whole personal chef aspect of my business because I realized that a lot of the clients that I was working with, that was the biggest thing. People were like, I want to eat healthy, but I don't know where to start. I don't really like cooking. It's too much time. Um, There was just so many different kind of, like you said, excuses, but some people don't like cooking. And I had to, you know, kind of realize that that's when I added on that, that personal chefing, because what a great, you know, business opportunity for me to say, wow, this is a thing. People really don't like cooking that much why don't I start this thing where I go into their house and I cook a bunch of food and I fill it fill their fridge with these healthy wholesome foods for them to eat Um, and then that kind of is like an inspiration in itself for people to say wow this food is really good Um, healthy food can be good so even just that I think that first step is kind of realizing like healthy food can be good and also healthy food doesn't have to be complicated to cook you know, some of my recipes that I cook, people are probably like, there's no way I'm making this. She probably spent all day in the kitchen. And yeah, sometimes that is true just because I like creating, you know, food and recipes, but healthy food does not need to be complicated. I mean, you can do grilled chicken with brown rice and an avocado and some greens and a clean little dressing. And there's a a meal. It probably took you 20 minutes to prepare, you know, And, and meal prepping is huge for people who don't want to spend an hour in the kitchen every single afternoon cooking dinner. So that's why I spend, you know, one to two hours in the kitchen on a Sunday and I'll prep a ton of food to just have my fridge stocked and ready so that when I get home from whatever it is in the evening, I'm not like, you know, searching through my cupboards to find anything to put in my mouth. I have meals that are healthy, um, that I can just, throw on the stove and they're ready in 10 minutes after I've, you know, prepped everything. So I think meal prepping is also a huge thing, um, an important thing to, to do when you're trying to start eating healthy. I think it can save a lot of time. It can save a lot of money because you're not creating a new meal every single night. You're not wasting as much food because you're not making a new meal every single night. So there's a lot of benefits to meal prepping that I think people should, it's not, I feel like people think meal prepping is for like, big beefy gym rat boys but anyone can do it yeah anyone can do it I mean I do it every single week and it's just a matter of I like having 
healthy food ready in my kitchen. It saves me so much time. I think that for meal prepping, personally, when I initially was like, oh my gosh, how do people carve out these extra hours on a day to meal prep? And it's like, if I just actually looked at how much time I'm wasting during the weeks that I didn't meal prep, it would have saved me way more time just to carve out an hour, two hours, whatever it may be on a Sunday or Monday, whenever I would have saved so much time. And when Jordan and I right now we're living with my parents. So we are like out of a normal routine for us. But when we were living at home, it was a nice way for us to connect and do something together. And I think looking at it as a way to maybe get your family involved, if you have kids mm-hmm. or have a friend over, maybe mm-hmm. post COVID and cook food together. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's so much more. And I mean, exactly how you were talking about, you do your recipe content, you can kind of create a little ambiance and have fun with it and remember that, yeah, it's a bigger time chunk, maybe up front, but it's actually going to save you that time, like you said, during the week mm-hmm. when you're not trying to find random things to throw together. It's already there, ready for you. Yep, exactly. And then another huge thing with that is it's all, it, a lot of it has to do with priorities. I mean, if it is important to you to eat healthy and fuel your body with wholesome foods, spending an hour, maybe two on a Sunday isn't really a lot of a lot of time when you think about what we waste our time on sometimes well right and going back to what you talked about before when you take that time for your body and your mind at the end of the day you're going to feel so much better I mean I took notes from when you were talking about your experience in Thailand and how like the fog lifted when you started Mm -hmm. to focus in on your nutrition. And if people kind of remind themselves of how they're feeling after certain foods and how much better they feel when they're nourishing themselves properly, I think that's a great way to just really make sure you're putting that nutrition at the top of one of your priority lists. For sure. For sure. And I've, I think it's worth mentioning that if somebody listening does find themselves feeling like that fog or really tired or something doesn't feel right and they are eating clean, it's usually because they're eating something that their body doesn't like. Your body has a very good way of telling you that something is not right. And becoming intuitive and listening to your body is so important. I mean, if you're eating something and you're bloated after you ate, you know, a chili, let's say, and there's beans in there that your body doesn't like, your body's trying to tell you something. It doesn't like something that you put into it. And people are intolerant and allergic to all different things. No body is the same. So, I mean, what one man's food is another man's poison. You know, some people can thrive off eating, uh, let's just say brown rice. Somebody else can be totally intolerant to it and have, get hives from it, get, you know, rashes, get bloated. So you just like listening to your body with food is so, so important. So I make a point to kind of every time after I eat something, I kind of just like take a little mental note. Like, do I feel like, how do I feel after eating that? Do I feel sluggish? Do I feel tired? Oh, I'm bloated from that. So my body probably didn't like something that I just ate. So really just listening to that is important too. When I first learned about intuitive eating and recognizing how food was, you know, prohibiting me maybe from feeling energetic or if I started to feel bloated, that was like 
the most eye-opening thing for me to realize my food was making me feel a certain way. I didn't have to live a certain way. I think one of the most profound like ahas that I had heard someone sharing with me was when they had started to recognize how gluten and I know gluten is kind of like a taboo thing. A lot of people are figuring out their relationship with gluten, but this elderly man, I work in a fitness gym and mm-hmm. he was talking to me about how he just assumed he'd always had achy knees. Like that was just mm-hmm. how he'd always lived. He's getting older. He has achy knees and mm-hmm. he started to recognize and intuitively eat. And he noted that when he stopped having gluten, he tried to not have gluten for a while his knees felt like he was in his twenties again, but he just thought, yeah, he just thought, you know, I'm getting old, I'm getting achy. And then he removed food that was literally making him feel like crap, but he thought that that's just how it was. And it's so crazy that, you know, and you probably can speak more to this, but there's all these different foods that make us feel certain ways that we've just grown to live with, but we don't Mm -hmm. have to. Right. Right. And the thing is, is your body wants to heal if you give it half the chance. That's what our bodies are meant to do. They are, they will heal if you give it the chance to. And when you said that gluten thing, so basically what that meant is his body was so intolerant to gluten that it was so inflamed because it was, it's a sign of, you know, he's eating something that his body thinks is foreign. His body's not meant to break it down. So it shows up as inflammation. It probably showed up as inflammation in his joints or his, you know, whatever it was in his knees. And that's how it showed up. And then he removes it and it's, it's gone. And that's, I feel like that's what you find with so many of these crazy health stories that you hear. It's like, yeah, I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I was sick for like three years. And all I did is I stopped eating nuts. (laughs) It's like this one little thing that they take out that their body was like, yeah, no, this is not working for me. And your body's trying to tell you that. But like you said, we're so used to being like, ah, yeah, I just have bad knees. No, it's probably from something. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy how our body, I mean, that is basically our body trying to tell us like, Hey, this is not sitting well, this is not working for me. But Mm -hmm. so often we just like ignore the signals and we just like truck on and it's, no, we got to stop and take a moment and assess the situation and be like, maybe I don't have to live this way, which right. I, didn't know, I didn't know that for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, so can you tell me more about your personal chef? So you go in and you make these foods for people's homes and, you know, also cooking classes and who, you know, would be the opportune client for that and who would benefit most from those two offerings? Sure. So like I said, the personal chef was kind of an add-on that I started. I started just like get my wheels turning and I was like, listen, a lot of my clients are struggling with, they don't like cooking, which is a huge part of nutrition. Um, You can't get somebody to like cooking as you know, it, it comes natural to me. I love it. Some people just don't and everyone likes different things. So that's when I was like, this would be a great opportunity for me to, you know, offer this up to people to some of my clients I go into their house I just I I have a consultation with them I make sure they have the things that I'm going to need to you know cook in their kitchen knives a pot pan whatever it is Um, and some I have them get um, like glass uh, or plastic saving or containers to put into their fridge 
and I'll just come up with a meal plan. I'll go through their dietary restrictions, what they like, what they don't like. Can they have dairy? Can they have meat? Are they vegetarian? Whatever it is. And I'll create like two, probably three, three to four like bulk meals that they can have in their fridge. So I'll spend, you know, a couple hours in their kitchen cooking and I'll stock their fridge with these foods. So basically I meal prep for them. Um, so they will have healthy, ready to eat meals throughout the week. And it's been really great for like busy mom and dads who are before COVID not at home, um, who are working full time. They just don't have time to cook for their family. So they want meals when they come home from work. So it was a, a, a thing that I kind of added on randomly to my business, but it, it, people needed it. So it's been really fun. That's awesome that you were able to recognize and see an opportunity to just further your passion with nutrition and cooking and find a unique and really awesome way to show up for your clients and help them by also doing something that you love. Right. Yeah. And it's fun because sometimes I get to go in these really cool kitchens and I just play, I do my thing. I play my music and I just kind of zone out for like two or three hours and just cook. It's super fun. That's awesome. And then cooking classes. Tell me more about those. Yeah. So those have been on my mind for a little bit. I need to pull the trigger on those for sure. But you know, with, with COVID and all this, everything's gone virtual this year. So I've had to kind of get creative, like personal chefing isn't really happening right now because people don't want random people in their kitchen. So um, I kind of had to do like a business pivot and take some things more virtually. And I thought I took a cooking class myself. I bought one from like or la table or something and I I just did it because I wanted to see what it was like and if it was something that I could do and I loved it I thought it was great there was like 20 people in there they walked us through a recipe they gave us a packet to print out told us what we needed to get so I've just been thinking about how funny it would be to just launch a a couple cooking classes maybe do like a date night one for like a couple like like couples that want to tune in on like a Friday or Saturday night and cook a nice dinner or do like a girls brunch one I thought would be fun so like 10 friends together yeah and do like we could do like mimosas and like cook an awesome breakfast together I just think it'd be like a fun little way for people to get together during this craziness I'm and I mean I think now more than ever it's so important with understanding how to pivot during these times where a lot of things is going virtually but I think you found a really unique way that you can connect, like you said, couples, but friends and people. And what's really cool about this is you're probably able to find clients that maybe wouldn't have found you in Minnesota, but now they right. can find you from anywhere and take part right. in what you're doing. Right. And honestly, I, I do think this whole COVID thing has really, I, I think virtual is going to be and it was virtual, a virtual world already, but I think even more so now it's going to be that way for a very long time. It's not just forever. I think people are just going to start doing things more virtually now. So I don't, I think it's something that I can do even past this pandemic. So before we finish, obviously the podcast is called Creating Ripples. And so at the end of the episode, I would love for you to leave the listeners with something to think about or a piece of advice. So what is the ripple that you want to create your biggest piece of advice or takeaway for the listeners? Sure. So I just want to create 
a space of education on the importance of wholesome foods for your body. You know, the way it plays a role into all these aspects of your, your health, your sleep, your energy, mood, your libido, immune system, disease prevention, longevity, like just your overall quality of life. Um, there's so much that food can affect in a positive way. And I just want to inspire others to get into their kitchens because I truly think that is where you can take full control of your health and the foods that are going into your body. You know, I've, I've always said the kitchen is where health begins because for me personally, it, it really did. Um, so yeah, just providing education and, and, and inspiration for people to take control of their health through, through food. Love that. So Megan, where can our listeners find you? Sure. So they can find me on my website, which is meganshealy.com. Um, that's S-H-E-L-E-Y. Um, and then also I'm pretty active on Instagram too. And I try to respond to as many messages like as I can. And I'm just Megan Shealy on there too. So pretty easy, but yeah, website. Um, you can fill out a form on there if you're interested in getting in touch and I'll respond to you via email. Otherwise you can just contact me on Instagram too. Amazing. Well, we'll all be looking for your virtual cooking classes that you'll be launching very soon, I can feel. (laughs) Megan, thank you so much for taking time to come be a part of the Creating Ripples community. We are so happy to have had you join us. It is so wonderful to get to see Megan living out her passion and making it in to a career. What an inspiration. Everybody listening, make sure you go check her out. She is bringing some delicious goodness over on her Instagram account and I can guarantee you, you do not want to miss the recipes she'll be bringing this holiday season. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on all the latest episodes as they drop. And if you loved what you just listened to or know someone that would, share it out with them and let's start creating ripples.